Welcome to this week's Manor House message. We are grateful you are listening with us today. It is our prayer that you will receive a fresh word from God and find encouragement for every season of your journey. Let's listen to this message from Pastor Mark. All right, all right, all right. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Hey, listen, it is great to just connect with our entire family. We're connected with 217 and Mill Plain and downtown and, of course, Eugene. And uh, we're just so excited to be able to do church as a big, big family. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Put your hands together for all the campuses and all that God's doing at every single one of our locations. You you know, as as a pastor, um, one of my greatest joys is to see people do life with Jesus and also to do life with each other. And you know, fall is a great opportunity for you and I to kind of recalibrate our lives and to figure out how do we do that? How do we make sure that our church family is a priority in our lives? And so uh, today we're celebrating kind of two big things that are really kicking off that I want to make sure that you know about. First of all, today is our Connect Group Sunday. Come on. Uh, We're really big about groups because we are really big about relationships. And this is a wonderful opportunity for every single person at every campus to find a new friend, to find a friend maybe that you need or maybe one that needs you, and to just be able to connect and to do life together. And so right after the service on all campuses, uh, we're going to be uh, just taking some time to allow you to hear a little bit more about groups. We have some tables there, some leaders there. Um, I also want to just celebrate down at our Eugene campus. They're starting with over a dozen groups. Come on, put your hands together, everybody. Let's go, Eugene. So excited about what God's doing down at our new campus. Hey, if you're a Connect Group leader, would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet on all the campuses? We want to honor you today. Thank you so much for serving, loving people, caring, coaching, developing, making a difference in people's lives. And we're so grateful for you. Also, another thing that I really want to celebrate today is our dream team. And our dream team simply is our Manor House Heroes. Um, They're the ones that give their life, give their energy, their time in order to make sure that this whole thing happens on all of the campuses and schools and colleges and everything that we do. And if you are serving in any way, do me a favor, and it's just kind of a celebration Sunday. Stand to your feet, Dream Team, all the campuses. We just want to tell you we love you. Man, we are so grateful for you. You matter to us. You matter to God. We're so grateful for all that you do. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, one of the ways that we just celebrate anybody that serves, this Friday night we're doing our annual Dream Team celebration. It's going to be a great time. We're talking food, trucks, party, fun, games, worship, guest speaker, Danny Schultz, all the way from Spokane, Washington, a killer after party. It's going to be amazing. And I just want to invite you, if you're on the dream team or you'd love to be a part of the dream team, maybe even looking for a free meal, whatever it might be, um, we just want to tell you, come on out. It's this Friday night, 6.30 p.m. at the Rocky Butte campus. We would love to see you there. Once again, put your hands together for all these wonderful people, all that they're doing. So awesome. You probably already notice on all campuses that um, we're doing service a little bit different today, and it's going to be that way for the next month. And uh, we're starting a series today called Above All Else. 
And really what we're wanting to do is to try to reintroduce to every single one of us our passion and our heart for worship. And as I think about this particular series, and I think about what God's wanting to do, I, I, I just want to say this as, as your pastor, is that I believe that God's after something in our family. For every single one of us, I believe the time and season in which we live, that God's wanting to, to just enhance or restore or revive in our hearts, in our family, a passion, a heart for the presence of God. And as I just think about us at Manor House, you know, the presence of God has marked this place for decades. In fact, it's probably our highest value is that we believe that we're a presence-driven people. We're a presence-driven church. We recognize that if God doesn't show up, nothing else matters. And it's not just in our church family, it's in your life. Just like Moses crying out in Exodus 33 and saying, listen, God, if, if you don't show up, I'm not going to take another step unless you're with me. That's the kind of people we are. If you're new here to Manor House, we want to let you know we are passionate about the presence of God. But it's important to understand it's not just a unique distinctive of Manor House. It's actually the passion and purpose of God for his people. You go all the way back to Genesis, as man was created and put into the garden, it says that they walked amongst or that they were with God, that his presence was in the garden. And even though they messed up and we've messed up all the way along, you read the end of the book, Revelation, it says this, that we're going to spend eternity in heaven singing holy, holy, holy is the lamb that was slain and that for eternity we're going to worship him. So if you don't love it now, heaven's going to be really boring for you because that's what we're created to do. We were created to worship him. And it's a passion of God and it should be a passion of us. And so this morning I'd love for you to open up your Bibles to Exodus 25. And I'm just going to take a very short time. We're going to go back into worship at the very end of this service and really practice some of the things that we're talking about. In Exodus 25, just a little bit of a background. We see the children of Israel. They're out of Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. They're out there. And God has a moment with Moses. And in Exodus 25, the chapter starts out with this thought. God's speaking to Moses and says this to them. He says, listen, I want you to take an offering. And he says, I'm looking for those that are, listen to these words, willing. He wants the people that are willing to take an offering and to bring their best. And he lists it all out, gold, silver, and bronze. And he goes through all the different materials and linens and everything else. And God's telling Moses, he doesn't know yet exactly what he's teeing them up for, but he's basically saying this, I need to find people that are willing, that are willing to bring their best. People that are willing to bring their best. And then he says this in verse 8. Tell them, make me a sanctuary. And he says this that I might dwell among them. Amen. I'm going to just play off these two phrases here for just a little bit. He says, tell them, 
to make me a sanctuary. The reason? That I might dwell with them. People that are willing to bring their best. We just did the offering, and now I want them to make me a sanctuary. Why? So that he might dwell with them. And as you look at the Old Testament, you find that the, the, the tabernacle, what he's talking about, was, was actually a physical place where God's glory and presence dwelt. Up until this time, there wasn't a permanent place or there wasn't even a tent um, that existed. We see for the first time in Scripture where God's saying, listen, I want them to make a sanctuary. I just don't want to dwell up on a hill or a mountain. I want you to actually put it in the middle, in the center of the people. And I want people that are willing to bring their best, and I want to be in the center of their lives. I want to dwell with them. And that's what we see in the Old Testament. As we look at the New Testament, what we find has how this translates to us, that is an Old Testament type of us. Then when we look at the New Testament, here's the good news. You are that sanctuary. You are the temple. And everything that you read through those nine chapters from Exodus 25 all the way through to 34, leading up to 34, there's nine chapters about how God wanted to build a tabernacle, and they apply to you. That everything in there has something to do about how God wants you to bring your best, to bring your all, to be willing so that he might dwell with you. Come on, how many people want the presence of God in their lives? I think that would be all of us on every campus. Check out these scriptures here, and I'm just going to read a few of these, these New Testament statements made by Paul and Peter. It says this in 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says, do you not know that you are a temple of God? You're the sanctuary. It's not a building, it's people. And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Listen to what it says in 2 Peter, excuse me, 1 Peter 2.5. It says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. The Old Testament, the priests were the only ones that could go into the holy of holies and experience the presence of God. He says, that's you. Every single one of you, anytime, any day, anywhere, you are his holy priest, and his presence dwells in you. Anytime, not just one time a year. Someone should get excited about that. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says this, For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell, what? In them. In them. And walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Can we just stop and think about this? This has to be one of the greatest revelations that you and I could ever possess. That the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, wants to make your heart his home. I mean, what an amazing thing. If that doesn't want to make you just lift your hands and cry out to him and worship him saying, please come, come and live in me, come and fill me, come and... I mean, that should be something on the top of our minds, exactly what God wants us to do. And as you look at this scripture that we talked about, Exodus 25, I just want you to just hear these scriptures of really what it means when, 
when God says to Moses, make me a sanctuary, really the Hebrew phrase there, if you could tie all those over, it literally means this. Make for me a holy place. Make for me a holy place. See, God's asking this of us, that we would not just open up our hearts, but that we would do everything that we can to remove all of our other lovers. That it's just not, in, in fact, when you look at this word sanctuary, it's, it's a Hebrew word, it's mikdash, which comes from the word kadesh, it means to be holy. And it's interesting, when you look at this word that God uses to Moses right here, it's never used anywhere in scripture for any kind of heathen deities or heathen temples. So you read all about the temples and the gods and the idols throughout the Old Testament, never do you see this word apply to them. It only applies to his temple. And if we bring that in context of us, it applies to you. Thank you that Jesus is our righteousness. But we still need to make sure that when we come and say, God, I want to make you a sanctuary, I'm going to make sure there are no other lovers. There's no other space. I'm coming willing. I'm not bringing my second best. I'm bringing my best of gold and best of silver and best of bronze. I'm bringing everything to you, God. And I'm just saying, you're my first in everything. I love you, God. I worship you, God. I want to meet with you. Come and dwell in me. That's kind of what it applies to. And then he says the second statement where it says that I might dwell among them. And again, literally, that means this in the Hebrew, that I will settle, not Airbnb, excuse me, Airbnb it. He's not just here for 75 minutes or for some weekend encounter. He says that I might dwell in them. And again, interesting use of words. That word dwell, it's the word sakam. And it means this, to live among. Listen, this is God, what he's saying, what he wants in you. He wants to remain. He wants to stay. And the word actually means, as you unpack that, it means to live or reside in a place for an unusual amount of time. This is what God's saying to us. We get so caught up in the busyness of life. I mean, we, we walk in and we barely recognize maybe his presence. And maybe through the day, we're so busy. The devil can't destroy you. He'll just distract you. But we come to this place. This is what God's saying to you. Every breath that you take, I just want to dwell in you. I just want to be with you. Every step, every moment, I just come. I want to remain. I want to live inside of you. I want to be your strength, and I want to be the lover of your soul, and I want to be your peace, and I want to be your joy, and I want to be your protection, and I want to be the person that blesses you and comes alongside of you and everything. This is what, guys, think about this. This is the king of kings. This is the Lord of lords saying, this is what I want of you. I think that's pretty cool. God, help us. The day and time in which we live, that we realize, God, you want to be with us. When you're sleeping, he wants to be with you. When you wake up in the morning, he's waiting just to be with you. When you put your head on your pillow at night, he's just wanting to tuck you in, so to speak. He just wants to remain and live inside of you. And I put together this phrase because this is really where I want to go this morning and through this series it's this, is that worship is recognizing 
first of all, who he is, second of all, what he has done, and then placing him above all else in every area of my life, in every moment of my life. This isn't just during a worship where we clap and sing, although that's really important, and I'm going to finish there and talk about that. Worship is this. As it says in Romans 12, 2, I present my bodies to you, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is my reasonable service. That every moment, every breath, every situation that I'm in, God, I just give you glory. Romans, excuse me, Colossians 3, 23, whatever I do, God, I do so heartily unto you. God, you're worthy. That's what worship is, is we were created to be a portable sanctuary that carries the very presence, power of God in every moment, every situation, no matter where we go. So let me just do this this morning in the short time that we have. Let me just give you three thoughts. I want you to write these three statements down. This is going to be really easy, hopefully profound, but easy. Because I want to help us just from the foundation of this series, just understand what is worship? What is worship? And so I'm going to give you three, I would call them profound truths. Maybe simple, but profound. What worship should really be for you and I. The first thing is this, is that we need to recognize who he is. See, we got it wrong today in the American church. Somehow we think that we're coming to get something from him. Well, I didn't get much out of that. Music wasn't that good, a little bit too loud, lights too bright, there's some smoke. I didn't. reason we don't get something out of it is because we have a wrong perspective of it. Worship isn't what you get, it's what you give. See, it, it doesn't matter if they're off pitch, whether they're playing a kazoo, whether, kazoo, whether they're doing a cartwheel. It doesn't matter what's happening. It's mattering what are you doing to recognize who he is. And it's impossible. I mean, I mean you look at God. I mean, he's, he's all-powerful and all-knowing and ever-present, and he knows all things. I mean, it's to us to even get our mind around who he actually is is just, like, impossible, But the more that we put our mind there to try to discover it, the more that we begin to understand his majesty and his glory and what he's done. And it brings us to that place where we just go, I can't help but to worship you, his majesty, for all that you've done. Love that old Jack Hayford song, you know, majesty, right? Worship his majesty unto Jesus be all glory and honor. And praise, right? Come on. You just, you just start going there. Majesty, kingdom authority. All of a sudden, you, you begin to feel what? You feel his presence because you're acknowledging who he is. And when you engage, it's like, down from his throne unto his own, his anthem we praise. It's like, we recognize who he is. It doesn't matter the song list. It doesn't matter what they're wearing on the stage. If you're getting caught up, is there a hole in the jeans? And maybe that's too tight or that's too loose or that's too high. It's like your eyes are on the wrong thing. Majesty. I worship his majesty. 
your eyes need to be this way, recognizing who he is. That's where worship starts. I love David, King David, with all of his flaws. He had one thing right. He was a worshiper. And as you read, as you go into the Old Testament and you read in 2 Samuel, there's this encounter that he has with God where he's sitting in his palace. And he comes to this revelation. I'm in my palace made of cedar and God's in a tent. He says, that can't be. And ultimately, he would end up giving $11 billion in today's money of his own to build the right kind of place because he understood the majesty of God. Here's Here's what he said. 2 Samuel 7, 22, he says, How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you, and there is no God but you as we have heard with our own ears. And he uses, he uses this word great. It's a beautiful word. It's the Hebrew word gadol, which means highest. It means like no competition. It's kind of like you enter the race and no one else is on the track with you. There's not even a, a second place, third place, fifth place, a hundredth place. He's in his own league. How great you are. And so we see as he catches this revelation He's willing to say, oh God, I'm willing to give you everything. I want to worship you and honor you simply because of who he is. You think about it. He's he's high above the heavens and earth. He holds the universe in his hands. Majesty. Listen, he's above your circumstances. He's above your trials. I mean, we get into these situations and it's like, are our eyes focused there or do we go, God, just praise him. Come on. Lord, I'm going to praise you in my trial. I'm praising you in my tension. I'm praising you in my sickness because you are above all else. You're above this. You're in complete control. You can do whatever you want to do in this situation, God. So I just choose to trust you and worship you and just acknowledge who you are. Come on, say this with me. Recognize who he is. When we come in on Sunday mornings, when you wake up in the morning, every moment, we should just start our day saying, God, I give you the glory. God, you're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our praise. Here's the second thing. Is we need to realize what he has done. So it's not just acknowledging who he is, it's also saying, okay, what has he actually done? It's a part of worship too when we give praises of thanksgiving. Isaiah said it this way in chapter 25, verse 1. He says, Lord, you're my God, and I will exalt you and praise your name. And I love this phrase, for in perfect faithfulness, you've done wonderful things, things that you planned long ago. See, one of the things that helps me in worship is to just stop and to think what God's done in my life. I just start thinking about where I was and what I deserved and how he, I I mean, let's just start. I I wrote down seven things that I think about often. I think about this. If, If you really want to come in with a heart to worship, you start with this. He created you. 
right? I mean, the reason you're even here, you didn't do you. He did you. Psalm 139, it says that he fashioned and formed you, that he had you in mind before the foundations of the world. He had you in mind. Is that just not enough to say, Lord, I glorify you that I'm sucking air because of you. I'm here because of you. Pastor Mark, that's so amazing. I just want to worship right now. I mean, it's just like, come on. Here's another one I wrote down. Because he saved you. You screwed up. You've sinned. You deserve eternal separation from God, but because he loved you, he was willing to send his best and his all. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and die for you so that you could have an intimate, personal relationship with him and have the privilege to actually worship him and thank him for saving your life and allowing you to have eternal peace and joy with him. Here's here's another one. He wants to be with you. He didn't just save you. He's not like a superhero. Hey, let's just save you and I'm going to go back. It's just like he just wants, wants to dwell with you. He wants to be with you. Listen, he's provided everything for you. Everybody go like this for me. Who gave you that air? What if he just stopped air tomorrow? How about like right now? Just like... Thank him for air. Thank him for food. Thank him for your house. Thank him for protecting you. Thank him for your car. Thank him for your job. Thank him for what is it that he's given you? It's just like all things were created by him and for him, Colossians 1.16. And so everything we have was created by him and for him to glorify him. God gave you a purpose. He unconditionally loves you on your best days and your worst days. When you're really, really just being like, just a, just a little bit cantankerous, he still wants to love you. That even in the midst, you say, God, I'm having a bad day, but I'm just going to praise you. It's just like he's, he's going, okay, I'll take whatever you got. I love you. And I, I love this. He gave you a spiritual family. You've got to understand, he gave you. This family, to belong, to be a part. People that will pray for you and care for you and love you and serve you and everything else that we experience and oftentimes take for granted of. So we say, God, we worship you for who you are. God, we worship you for what you've done. And don't you think, here's the third thing. Don't you think that that should put us in a place where we say this, I'm gonna place you above all else. If I really stop and think about what you've done, I think about who you are, I can't help but to put you above all else. And it just makes sense. See, worship is more, and again, we're going to do a lot of this during our series. Worship is more than clapping, although it's clapping. It's more than singing. It's important. Scriptural, it's biblical, it's sacred. Shouting, raising hands. Worship really is about what I do 
every moment that God gives me to live. David said it this way, Psalm 71.8. He says, my mouth is filled with your praise. Declaring your splendor, and listen to what it says, all day long. I've been really trying to get in the habit of that. I sing in the shower. I mean, I've got a terrible voice, as you guys already know. I don't care, I don't care what you think about my voice. I just want to know that He cares that I'm glorifying Him. I sing in the shower. I sing in the car. I sing in the street. I sing in the kitchen. I, I'm singing all the time. In the airport. I got back from a trip. I'm singing on the plane. I'm just like, why? Because... Thinking about his splendor all day long. For some of you that would be old school, we used to sing this song that came out of Psalm 34.1. I will. See, I'm already really bad on singing. I'll just tell you the scripture. I'll bless the Lord at all times. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What does that mean? I want to glorify him and thank him for the thoughts. I want to glorify him in my emotions, in my steps. I mean, I was the other day in the airport and I'm just stepping. I go, God, thank you that I have a leg to step here. And God, thank you again, God. Thank you for life. Thank you that you've allowed me to be a part of this. And thank you that you love me. And I just, I found myself just caught up in this moment. I want to declare your splendor all day long. That's worship. That's worship. And so we got to place him above all else in our personal life. Remember Exodus 25, he said that make me a sanctuary, no heathen deities. Do we really say, God, whatever, whatever I do, I do for you. I'm going to glorify you. My finances, they're yours, God. My serving, my time, that's yours, God. And every time we think it's ours, we're actually putting idols in our life. And, and, and listen, this, this isn't a condemnation thought. This, I hope you catch this. You're missing a wonderful privilege just to thank you. Say, God, thank you for my time. Thank you for my talents. Thank you for my treasure. Thank you for life. Glorify him in your marriage and your children. It's just like, how do we just give him glory and worship him all that he's done? And then it just brings us to this, this last thought. And I just want you to catch this because we're going to go back into worship here. We want to place him above all else in our church family. Most of the rest of the weeks will focus on this one thing. I believe that the gathering of God's people is one of the most sacred, holy, and important truths ever found in Scripture. We're not here to sing songs. It's like we're, we're gathering because he says that he comes to inhabit the praises of his people. That Listen, worship is a sacred thing. When we come together like this, is, it's different than worshiping him, worshiping him in your personal life. It's like when we come together, God comes to 
meet. Throughout scripture, you find that when God's people gather, whether it was a sacred assembly or whether he's calling them together at different festivals, when they finally gather and they said, we're giving you our best and we're giving you all, also it's like, woo, presence of God just comes to meet and to dwell with his people. God, help us. Come on, help us when we come and say, God, we're here to meet with you. We're gathered together with your people. And we're asking that if you just would show up. God, we don't want to go any further. God, the world is broken and falling apart. God, we just, we need you. So we just worship you. Show up, fill us, protect us, help us. God, we just place you above all else. Let me ask you the question as we go back into worship. Will you make God a temple so he can dwell among you? Right here, right now? Maybe this is new for you. Maybe you're new to Man House and you're going, man, this is kind of awkward or weird. Can I just encourage you as everybody dives in? Just lift your hands and say, this is really weird. But God, just I give you my heart. God, just come. Just meet with me. God, I'm broken. I'm lost. I'm desperate without you. What would it look like if God showed up, healed people, and restored marriages? God can do more in one encounter than you could do in your lifetime. But you've got to say, God, I come today. God, I make make my heart a sanctuary. I want you just to live and dwell and abide in me. Therefore, come. Would you do me a favor on all the campuses? Would you stand to your feet? I just want you to settle in. We're we're, we're going to go back into worship. We built these services this way. So I want you just to settle in as we go in every campus. They're ready to worship. I just want you to just lift your hands and to begin to sing as we go back into worship. So let's worship him. Thank you for listening to another Mana House message. Our hope is that you find fresh bread for your journey each time you join us here. Until next time. 